went to, I went to teach at, a, at an all-Spanish congregation. I had an interpreter there with me. This was a few weeks ago. And, um, <laughs> and I used the word sent. And he didn't know how to translate it. And so I had to, hold, to say the whole time, aroma, aroma, aroma. Um, and so um, that's really what we're talking about. What is the aroma when people walk into high street worship? What is the aroma when they walk into your home where you live? What is the aroma when they get around you as an individual? So we got three houses now. We've got this house. We've got the house that you actually live in, where you sleep and eat and have family. And then your individual house. The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so any time we're around people, any time people come into our home, which means our neighbors, and that's important, even if they don't come actually into your physical house, there should be the river of God flowing out of your house into the street that you live on. And I want to continue to push. Don't drive past your neighbors to get here and enjoy a time of worship. Make sure that you pray over your, while you're driving down, your, I mean, it's simple. While you're driving down the street, Lord, may your grace rest on whoever's house it is, Susie and Kevin and Bill and Miss Robinson, you know, whoever it is. And, and ask God for opportunities to meet them so that just like Jesus met the woman at the well and ended up changing a whole city, God can end up causing a conversation to happen with you and one of your neighbors. And who knows how far that reach of God's grace will flow. So that's what we've been working on. We've been working on catching the scent of the house. What's, what is it? You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses, um, verse 1, uh, Paul says this to that particular church at Corinth. And just picture it as though, um, now Paul was writing a letter, but just imagine that the Apostle Paul were here this morning, and instead of it being the church of Corinth, it's the congregation of High Street Worship in Burlington. And he says, follow me or be an imitator of me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's really what we're trying to do now. We're trying to make sure that in every way we want to look like Jesus. And so as, as, as Pam and I come to lead here at High Street, is the first thing we want you to get. The first thing. Imitate us as we're imitating Christ. There is a scent, there is an aroma that Jesus has that we have. And may I say this, I'll be very, very practical. I'll be very deliberate. If you ever get to the place where you see that we are not imitating Christ, don't imitate us. Don't follow us. I'm not that leader, Pam and I both, we're not those leaders that say, you got to follow me no matter what because I've got a leadership anointing on me and whatever God says it's going to be in me and whatever I say goes. No. No. You follow me, you follow us as long as we are following Christ. Now look at somebody and say, now that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's good stuff there. And that's what you want. You know, one of the segments in this whole series is humility. Remember, I gave you five, I gave you five segments. The first segment we're going over is love. The second segment is unity. The third segment is scripture or the word of God. The fourth segment is humility. And the fifth segment is the Holy Spirit. All of that represents, and there are nuances that come all throughout. You know, somebody says, well, prayer's not in there. Well, if Holy Spirit's in there, prayer will be in there. Okay? This is peace isn't in there. Trust me, if unity is in there, then peace will be in there. If the word of God in there, is the, the, the peace will be in there. And so it's not every little one that we highlighted. We highlighted those over the, the, uh, the shadow, if you will, the covering of the scent, but once you get in there, you start to, it's just like when, <laughs> it's just like when, um, 
when, you know, your mom or your grandmom or your dad or your granddad, I don't, don't want to make it a gender thing because you may have different people in your house that cook. But sometimes they're cooking something and, and you can smell it. It's like, wow, wow, what is that? That's, that's sweet potato. That's sweet potato pudding, sweet potato pie, sweet potato casserole. And if you haven't eaten this morning, I'm sorry. Um, but there, there it is, and you smell it. It's like, oh, man, I smell it. It smells like sweet potato. But then you get somebody a little bit more mature coming in. It's like, oh, what you got in there, cinnamon? Is there cinnamon in there? It smells like I smell cinnamon. What's that, molasses? What you got going on in there? Somebody is a novice as well. All I smell is sweet potato. All I smell is that's grandma's sweet potato pie, or that's grandpa's sweet potato pudding. That's how it is when you get an atmosphere and aroma that goes up to God. We may say love, unity, the word of God, humility, and the Holy Spirit, but mixed all in there is the joy of the Lord. Mixed all in there is the peace of God. Mixed all in there is the fragrance of holiness. See, all of that's in there. So I'll give you this covering, but know that as we mix in and we get in, and we start to see, Holy Spirit says, I want you to stir up a little of this. Stir up a little bit more of that. So imitate me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I need you in that. I need you, as Fallon was praying this morning, you know, Pam and I need you to pray for us. Pray for us. Pray that we're hearing well. Pray for us. Pray protection over our lives as we begin to pierce the darkness and some of the things that God's laying down vision for, not just here at High Street, but also this river flowing out of High Street into the streets of Burlington Township, Burlington County, Burlington City. So pray, please, put, put our names on your refrigerator, all right? Right next to, you know, Angelo's Pizza, <laughs> you know, right? What, put, put the name, put the name, put our name, Terry and Pam on there, and please cover us. And we ask you that in humility. We really do ask you that in humility because it's a, it's a lot that is, um, that God wants to do, but the enemy doesn't want it done, all right? And so we have to, we need prayer in that regard. And we are better together. Look at somebody next to you and say, we're better together. Hey, do this. Say, say it again. Say, we're better together. And we're connected forever. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're family. We're family. We're family. So I want to talk a little bit today, you know, tying up the, the segment. We're going to shift to Holy We're going to shift to... Uh, uh, the Word of God next week. That's of those five, remember? Love, unity, the Word of God, humility, and Holy Spirit. I've been talking about the love and, and unity. We're going to do a little bit more on that today. I'm going to try and tie that part up, and then uh, next week um, we'll get into the, the, uh, the Scripture portion of it. But today I want to talk to you from a more mature piece. All right? So uh, part of the responsibility of pastors is to cause the church or the congregation, if you do church with a capital C, that's the, the body of Christ, church Catholic. I'm not talking about Catholic in terms of doctrine or religion. I'm talking about Catholic meaning universal, universal. So when we talk about the universal church, the capital C church, the body of Christ, and there are pastors with offices that help, and it's all the other offices as well. Pastor, the teacher, apostle, prophet, evangelist. You know, all, all for what? And it's in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And remember what I said a few weeks ago, and I backed it up again last week. Um, when I share, it's helpful, it's helpful that when I share, if you could take some notes. Because the Holy Spirit is going to give you more later on in the week. But the notes are so you don't forget. I like to put it this way. Give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Give him something to work with. And I know you may have a great memory. You know, I pride myself on, on having a great memory for some things, for some things, like a cute little story is that I have this problem when it comes to movies. 
And so I'll watch a movie, and Pam and I have watched movies over the years, and, and then we go and watch a movie, and I'm like, I don't remember this. And uh, she said, you don't remember this movie? And I'm like, yeah, but don't tell me because I want to be surprised. I want to be surprised. But in other aspects, I, my memory is just so dialed in to the details. Even where scripture is concerned. I have great memory when it comes to scripture. But I don't, I don't trust that. I don't. I don't trust that. Um, there are times when I get into an environment and someone is teaching, I'm taking out my note, I'm taking out my phone, I'm taking out pen and paper, I'm taking out my Bible if I actually have, you know, the bounded leather Bible where I can write in and make marks in. I'm taking something that I can give the Holy Spirit something and he'll bring it back to my memory. Now, if he wants to do a supernatural thing, I leave that to him. But I'm going to at least do my part. We all have a part to play, so... We're about to get into some teaching, and that's really how I, there are times when I'll preach, there are times when I'll get fired up, and, and I'll exhort very strong, but for the most, I'm a teacher, and I love to teach, because the goal is for you to get it, because if you can get it, then you can be at some place, the Holy Spirit can be flowing through you, and you won't have to call my number and say, Pastor Terry, I've got this situation that's coming up, what should I do? See, if you can catch it, then I can be out of the picture. Or like Jesus said, greater, than I'm, greater things than what I'm doing, you'll do because I'm going to the Father. In other words, Jesus left the planet. That's the only reason we're moving with authority and power, wisdom, light, anointing, impartation. I'm talking about anybody who's a Christian. Old, young, doesn't matter your race. Doesn't matter your education status, your financial status, your credibility and community. If you give your heart to Jesus, he will work through you. That's all, that's all he's looking for. And so if I can now release over you and then the Holy Spirit give you more wisdom, more understanding, then on your street, God can use you to be an ambassador. In your job and over your sphere of influence, he can use you. Now, the enemy would want you to think that because of your past that you're not usable. Or because of mistakes that you've made, you're not usable. Or because you don't have the level of education that someone else has where scripture is concerned, you're not usable. God will use anyone who shows up. Whoever shows up, whoever says, Lord, I be, whoever, look at the, 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 the little boy with a few fish and the few loaves of bread. And God used him. He's only looking for someone who says yes. But as pastors and leaders in the body of Christ, it's our job to give ministry away to you. Give it away. Give it away. I loved last Sunday morning when Dalton stood up here and invited the presence of God in. I was so filled. I was so impressed. The power of God came in and blessed me in an amazing way because Dalton stood up here being filled with the Spirit of God and led us into the throne room. See, he caught it. He has it. He gets it. He gets it. And I've seen the same thing with many others, whether it's Dino up here praying or Julie up here praying or Fallon up here praying or David up here praying or Javier up here praying. It doesn't matter who it is, and it doesn't have to be behind this podium that speaks of usability. He'll use you wherever you are. And that's important because God loves the world. The world. And so my job is to release over you, to release light and sight and wisdom and kingdom concepts so that God can use you anywhere. We have a young lady here from Colombia, and she's around those, she'll be around those from Colombia. And so she can be built up and strengthened and empowered. She can be released back to that. And I can't get there. I don't speak that language. And I don't have the influence over the group she's got influence over. If she can get built up, now God can send her out. And that's for all of you. 
It's for all of you. So I want to I empower you on these areas of scent and aroma of heaven so that no matter who you're around and wherever you're around, the power and the presence of God can come and flow through you. So I want to read a scripture out of St. John chapter 8, verse 28 to 32. St. John chapter 8, verse 28 to 32. And I'm going to read that out of the King James Version. I want to see if you, if you have that in the King James Version. Look at what this says. And remember, we're talking about, um, we're talking about love and we're talking about unity. But I want to give it to you in a, in a way that you can see that this has to do with maturity. What I started to allude to before I took that little rabbit, rabbit trail was God is calling us to grow up. Put your hand on your chest. And say, God wants me to grow up. I remember being in my 20s, and I wrote a book by a guy named Kenneth Hagin. And it's one of my favorite books. And the book, I think it must have been 20 or 21. I think the book, and the name of the book was Growing Up Spiritually. Growing Up Spiritually. Now, we're all in here, we're mature. All of us here mature physically, educationally, even relationally. We've grown. We've matured. The kids are in the lower level getting educated, and whether it's the teenagers or it's the, the little tots, the preteens, or, or the, the little ones in, the, in that primary age. And they're, they're getting educated spiritually. But God wants us to grow up spiritually. He wants me to mature spiritually. And so the things that I'm going to talk to you about today really take a level of maturity to catch it. You got you to gotta be mature to catch it. And I'll give you some passages of Scripture, and some of them will be a little different. So you guys up in the, in the media, you might have to flow with me a little bit. But you guys are really, really good. Hey, can we put our hands together for our media team? They are flowing all the time, getting it in. Jack and Rods and Javier and all the others. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, they get it in and they do so well. So I'm really going to pull on your, you guys' experience this morning and your, your ability to, to shift. Um, so, so keep maturity in mind as we go through these passages. St. John 8, 28 to 32, look at what this says. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. Everybody say this. Say, I do nothing of myself. And repeat this as well. But as the Father has taught me, I speak these things. Right? So this is Jesus now, and he's saying, I, I don't do anything on my own. I don't do anything on my own. And he was a carpenter, so he's even talking about the way he's making tables and chairs. He says, I don't do anything on my own. That's not just the spiritual thing of what happens when I go to church or when I'm reading Scripture. Or if I'm speaking scripture to someone. No, he says, I don't do anything on my own. Verse 29. Oh, this is wonderful. And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. Look at this. I want you to repeat this as well. For I always do those things that please him. Hmm. All right, so you got a couple things, and you can find it all throughout Scripture. Jesus says, especially in the, in the, we're talking about the New Testament, Jesus says, I only say what I hear the Father say, and I only do what I hear the Father. I only do what I see the Father do. And that's going to take some maturity because it causes us then. It's one thing to be able to hear. It's another thing to be able to see. And I'm always asking God, Open the eyes of my understanding so I can see what you're doing. I can see what you're doing. 
And if you can mature in these things and your connection with God, where you now know how to give your ability to hear in the spirit, but also see in the spirit. And you start seeing in the spirit, it's going to take the use of your imagination. And that's why you want to make sure your imagination has been uh, dedicated to God. Every day, I want to challenge you. It's your imagination. Don't just give God, you know, Pastor Pam was talking about the tithes and the offerings. Yes, we honor God with our tithes. We honor God with our bodies, where we live pure and holy lives with our bodies. But you also want to give him your imagination, the ability to see and to dream. And when it comes to social media, when it comes to, you know, the internet, when it comes to movies, when it comes to music, they would love for you to have your imagination given over to the enemy, the little God of this world. But God is calling us to give our imagination over to him. So when Jesus says, I only say what I hear the Father say, and I only do what I see him do, that means, man, he is tapped into being able to see what God is doing beyond what he's seeing with his natural eyes. And it took me a little bit to learn how to use my imagination. We're going to teach a series. Hopefully, it'll be the one right after. I'm still listening to see what God wants me to, to teach the next, the next series after this one. But I think the next series is going to be learning how to hear God's voice. And that's not you walking down the street like, oh, Lord, that you? Remember, represent God well. Not weird. <laughs> and that's weird. That's weird. You're talking to somebody in the grocery store, and, and then you're like, go, 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 is that God? What you want me to say to her? Trust me, they're going to run away from you so fast. So we got to learn how to hear God's voice. Learn how to tap into the voice of the Spirit. Learn. And that's not spooky. It's just spiritual. And the part of us that got born again was our spirit. And we have to learn to grow up spiritually. But it's not just things like learning how to be in tune to God. It's also learning how to be disciplined in our words to other people, in our unity, in our oneness. How do you handle when you heard a rumor? How do you hear, how do you handle it when someone whispers to you about somebody else? <clears throat> Excuse me, some really good, juicy gossip. See, maturity says, I handle it a particular way. What if you know of another Christian who has committed a sin? Ah, <laughs> maturity as a Christian says you handle it a particular way. And I'll just give you a little quick answer to that. It says, if any, if any other Christians are overcome or overtaken in a fault, and then he brings this topic in, you that are spiritual, and then he shows you how to act spiritually mature if somebody makes a mistake. If somebody does something wrong in your house, in this house, one-on-one -on -one relationships, he shows you how to do it. If somebody gets overtaken in the fall, and again, this is just, you know, one of those parenthetic, you know, putting parentheses around what I've been talking about. So if somebody gets overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual, restore them in the spirit of meekness. So now you're, and now just look at that right now. We're talking about growing up spiritually. Jesus says, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. And now in my response to a real situation, what should I do and how should I handle it? You that are spiritual. Now, I'm not going to ask you, are you spiritual? I don't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> but I want you to know 
that there is a level of spiritual growth and development that is necessary if we're going to really be unified as a congregation in your home if you live with other Christians. It's going to, and even individually when you're talking about the unity between yourself and God the Father. Good, what I like to call alignment. Are you aligned with heaven? So this passage of scripture is really, really important. Let's look at the rest part of it, the rest of it. Second part of it. It says, as he spake these words, verse 30, many believed on him. Verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue, everybody say continue. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. Now, disciples aren't just followers of Christ. Disciples are those that have been disciplined, disciplined ones, disciplined. You know, Stephen, you know, the worship leader this morning, plays the piano better than most of us because he has gone through levels of discipline with his hands and the piano and those keys. It may have started off with, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and the keys and his fingers are matching. To now, by reason of use and practice, it's intuitive. It just happens all the time. And that's why when we start talking about love and unity, we got to talk about being disciplined in love and unity. Disciplined. Have you practiced it? And not just practicing it where we practice in the mornings here after our, our offering time and we're about to get into our teaching. Then we practice, go around and say hi to someone. And that's practice. It really is. Because for some of us, you know, being introvert, being very private is like, I don't like talking to people. But if you're in the kingdom of God, you're going to have to practice talking to people. This is a safe environment to get good at it. Because, again, there's going to come a time where you'll be in the supermarket or you'll be in the bank or you'll be walking past somewhere or someone and God will want to reach them. But if you don't like saying hi to people, it's going to be hard for God to use you. And God wants to use you because we're his hand and his feet in the earth. And if his nature is, for God so loved the world that he gave, and if Jesus has left the planet and has given us now the authority to do greater things than what he's done, then we're going to have to get comfortable with people. And I'm not saying you have to give your social security and your driver's license and your credit card numbers. I'm not saying that you have to have lunch with them every day. But you do have to be able to represent him in the earth because God cares about people. Think about it. That's how you got into the family of God. God sent someone to you, had someone pray for you, had someone reach out to you. And it's not just this mature piece where it's all these adults all the time. He uses young adults. He uses teenagers. One of my favorite stories is what happened in Mongolia. His missions have, missionaries have gone over there to, 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 you know, to evangelize that, that community. And while they're there, people weren't grabbing onto it. And they were there for a season, and finally, they only got to connect with three teenagers. And after the time was up, they said, okay, God's calling us to leave. And years later, they came back. As another effort, as another effort. And when they came back, they found out that 50,000 Christians had been evangelized by those three teenagers. So God's trying to reach people, and he'll use who will ever show up. But we have to be open to him. So we have to learn how to get disciplined, not just in speaking to people, but we have to learn this habit of love and unity. I gave you a definition for love. It is the God-given ability to view another as valuable 
and precious. Everybody say that with me. One, three. One, two, three. The God-given ability to view another as valuable and precious. That's love. And that's how we got into the family of God. Remember, it says in the book of, uh, of Psalms, it says God takes the lonely and he places them in family. And so for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. What is he really saying? For God so viewed us as valuable and precious that he acted on it and he gave. So that's what love is. Unity says, and unity, as Pastor Pam mentioned a couple weeks ago, unity is not uniformity, where we all wear the same clothes, we all try to get to that same skin complexion, we all wear the same hairstyle, we all talk the same way. No, it's not uniformity. It is now me being able to be one with you, fighting to be one with you, close with you, as we represent the pleasure of our king. We serve at the pleasure of our king. So we come together. What does unity look like? It looks like forgiveness. It looks like saying I'm sorry when it's necessary. It looks like together being and living in peace. And it gives way to the Holy Spirit coming. And so when we talk about growing up in this, we're talking about maturing to the degree where it comes to love and unity, I only want to say what God is saying. I only want to do what God is saying do. That's why if somebody does something to you, you've got to be quick to forgive. And if you're the one that did something to someone, be quick to repent. But under all of it, be quick to love. You're valuable to me. You're precious to me. We're in this thing together. The goal is always oneness. And supernatural things happen when oneness is achieved. It's getting warm out, and so we're going to be looking for creative ways by the Holy Spirit to reach this entire community, whether it's Burlington Township, Burlington City, you know, just in terms of here where the church is located, but it can also exist where you live and where your county is. But we're going to be looking for ways. And when we're unified and when there's no competition May I never compete with you. May I never compete with you for glory, for, for my ideas, and I'm talking about just Christian to Christian. May I never compete with you. May I always be able to celebrate you for who you are, your hairstyle, your wiring, your personality. May I always be in that place, and that's my prayer. But that's for all of us. And you hear how I practice that? That's why, that's why I bought up Jennifer. That's why I bought up Fallon. That's why I bought up Dalton. Because everybody should be celebrated. That's why I bought up Stephen. That's why the other day I bought up Sherry. That's why last week we talked about Deborah. Because we should be celebrated. That's why we talked about Lydia, who's, who just turned 17. Because we're to be celebrated. We honor each other. But there is a spirit in the earth that goes against that. And so we have to make sure, just like Stephen practiced, we got to practice. We got to get disciplined. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue, you got to continue in my word. What did he say? What did he say about love? What did he say about unity? What did he say about not comparing? What did he say about that? He says, then you'll be my disciplined ones, or disciples in the King James Version. But then discipline leads to truth. He says, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we will be just as free as Jesus is with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's beautiful oneness. I think on Wednesday, we're going to try and bring out, write this passage of Scripture down for me. St. John chapter 17. 
That entire chapter is amazing because it is the last prayer that is recorded before Jesus leaves the planet. And he says in verses, I believe, verses 21 to 24, he says, Father, make them one. Make them one. Make them one like you and I are one. Make them one. Make them one that the world may believe. Give the kind of unity that the world might believe that you sent me. And then he says, Father, may the love you have for me be in them. So now we have the capacity to be unified like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we have the capacity to love one another like the Father loves Jesus. Come on. That's a, that's a crazy love. I wrote a song years ago called a crazy love. It's just, man, it's, that kind of love doesn't even make sense. How do you do that? How do you love someone who has done something against you? How do you love someone who would be considered your enemy? How do you love someone who you know they're going to betray you? Dino bought out on Wednesday night out of St. John where Jesus realized that everything has been given to him. And the Bible says that at that point, he got up, he put a towel around him, and he went and washed every of the disciples, each of the disciples' feet. Guess who he also washed feet? Not just John and James, not just uh, uh, Matthew and, and Peter, not, you know, not just, you know, the, 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 the normal of the guys. I'm, I'm saying normal because here's this abnormality that comes in in personality and action towards Jesus, and it's Judas. He washed everybody's feet, but he also washed Judas's feet. What kind of love is that? And he says that that kind of love has been put in us. We have the capacity to love. Some people say, oh, Pastor, I'm not like you. I can't just be nice to everybody and love everybody like that. It's got nothing to do with me. We're talking about the love of God. It's the love of God that is in me. That's the key. That's how we can forgive each other. And, and we got to practice it. We got to practice it till we're good at it. We got to practice till it's, till it's, it just naturally comes out. Well, pastor, I'm not there. Okay, so let's do like Stephen and let's practice. And not practice just in here. When somebody does something to you, when you hear that gossip has been happening about you or slander has been happening about you, even if you're just hearing the whisper of the enemy, the accuser of someone else, putting in your ear, here is an opportunity to practice. We don't practice when everything is good. That's why I don't always just get around people who make me feel good. What strength is that? Jesus says, it, he puts it this way, if you just love those who love you back, where, where's the reward in that? And love those who love me back. I'm only hanging out with the people that like me. I'm only hanging, that's why the Bible says Jesus hung out with sinners. Is that your reputation? Pastor, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve me. To, they talk about me, and, and now you want me to get around them? They don't deserve that. Oh, did you deserve what God has done for you? It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He saw me as valuable and precious when I wasn't doing things that line up with someone who is considered valuable and precious. Now, eventually, some of that stuff fell off of me, but it fell off of me not because I turned into this great performing Christian, but it fell off of me because I was hanging around the one who loved me so much. And so now I respond. There's a girl, I think her name is Kathy Tricoli. I remember hearing this song back in the 80s. It says, it's your, it's your stubborn love. It won't let go of me. I don't understand how you can stay. Perfect love. Embracing, embracing the worst in me. Whew. See, that's what saved me. 
that's what's changed me. And so it's from that sweet intimacy with a loving father who cares about me, and then he sends me to the broken, always remembering it was his stubborn love. That's why in family, in community, in congregation, see, it's the enemy that causes us to highlight church hurt. At the end of the day, God's love is greater than this so-called church hurt. And we must remember his love. And then we must catch that scent. Catch that scent. Man, you smell like you've been with Jesus. And sometimes we try and make people think we've been with Jesus because of the way we speak in tongues, because of the way we prophesy, because of the way we talked about spiritual things. No, the way we know you've been with Jesus is that you smell like his love. So we got to practice that. Now practice that. And it gets challenging in the flesh. In every house, whether it's you loving yourself, whether it's you loving family, whether it's you loving your neighbors or your coworkers or the government or another race or another political party, can you have mercy on someone that has been taken advantage of without getting offended at the abuser? Mm. I hate the way people do this, or I hate the way people do that. That's just so wrong because I was helping someone who had gotten taken advantage of or someone who needed this. But can you help that person out without getting offended at the abuser? That's why when Jesus encountered the Apostle Paul, who had had Stephen's uh, assassination approved. He approved of them killing Stephen. Yet Jesus, and the Bible says, he, Paul went, saw at the time, went from house to house to house, dragging Christians out. It breaks my heart in some of these other countries and some of these nations where beheadings are taking place. Beheadings are taking place. Crucifixions still taking place. So now Jesus supernaturally appears to Saul. and He could have wiped him out just with a word. But his response was, Why are you hurting my church? Why are you persecuting me? He's asking him a question. And Saul's response is, I, I know you're representing all of divine. And he falls down and says, Lord, what will you have me to do? What if Jesus took a different approach? Who then is going to be ministering to the Corinthians, the, the, the Galatians, the church at Ephesus, and those, those uh, that are worshiping idols over in Ephesus. But I say the same thing to you. Who's going to touch the lives of others if you don't have that farsighted love? Will you help those who have gotten abused? But you also want to, you want to heal the abuser. <laughs> wow. But it's got to start in here. That's why the scent of the house is, I love you. And it's not, Jesus loves you, I love you too. Because there's a little covering there. There's a little cushion. I'm loving you because Jesus said I got to love you. No, 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 no. I've practiced this thing. And to me, you are valuable and precious. Because God has put his spirit in me, I have the capacity to view you as valuable and precious. So we got love and unity. Love and unity. Love and unity. 
So I want to give you, I want to give you a few phases of healthy unity. I'll give you three phases of healthy unity. All right? You ready? First phase is the honeymoon phase. The honeymoon phase. And that's many times, you know, reserved for marriage, you know, because the honeymoon phase, that early phase, man, everything's great. You're looking across the table at her, and it's, it's like she's always in a slow-motion movie. You know, the hair is blowing softly. But after, you, after a while, you realize, one, <laughs> that may not be her hair. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's the key. Can you love someone when everything is stripped down? Can you love someone when you start to see the scars? We do marriage coaching, Pam and I do, and out of the book of Genesis, it says when Adam and Eve got married, it says they were both naked and unashamed. And using marriage, which is the closest relationship that can exist on the planet as the as the, as the model, that's why the enemy goes against marriage. The marriage is a model. Whether you're married or not, you should be pushing marriage because it helps the strength of our nation. It helps the strength of our world. It helps the strength of our community. It helps the strength of your family. Marriage is a good thing. I appreciate those. I think I had two amens on that. I don't need amens, but it's just got, got, got a couple of but when it goes beyond that, can you now, when you begin to get past the honeymoon phase in unity, and some of you will get to that phase with me. He's like, oh, man, we got new pastors at the church. Oh, they're this, oh, they're, okay, okay. After a while, you're going to start to see some of my blemishes. Can you still love me? Like when the husband and wife get married and all of a sudden, uh, early on many times, they'll get undressed in the dark <laughs> or they'll go in another room, you know. But then after a while, maybe at some point, they're not getting undressed in the dark. And he looks at, oh, what's that mark? I never saw that before. It's like, oh, that's what you look like with your shirt off. Oh. Oh, so that's a girdle holding everything in place. Can you still, can you still love? Well, what's that like in the body of Christ when new membership comes in and new relationships are built and early on everything is wonderful until someone moves without a girdle and something is said or something is done can we still, can we move past the honeymoon phase? Honeymoon phase is a great phase because it's very exciting. It's early. It's all good. All you can see is good. Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And you're looking over every fault, <laughs> every fault, man. Second phase, it's the fight through phase. Fight through phase. First phase, what's the first phase? Honeymoon. Second phase? Fight through phase. Fight through phase is the phase where choice matters. And not just any choice, but the choice to pursue oneness. I'm fighting through what I see, what I've heard. Last week when we were reading... Um, a definition, real good definition of love in Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I gave you verses 4 through 8. Some of those verses say things like, love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't boil over with jealousy. It doesn't envy. It's, uh, it doesn't rejoice when uh, injustice is done. Only rejoices when there's truth. One, chance, one part of it, it says, its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures without weakening. 
Another part of that says that it's never obsolete. It never comes to an end. Like love was good for that, but it's not good right now. No, love is good all the time. Then it says something. It says that it is ever ready to believe the best of every person. See, that's the fight through phase. It means that no matter what the enemy is whispering in my ear, what another person may be saying in my ear, what I have maybe even seen as a weakness, a mistake, or just outright wrong, I still have the the ability by God to believe the best. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe something happened in their life. Maybe the enemy has got them in a spiraling down. God, strengthen them, help them. May my light help this darkness situation that has come up on them bring light and peace and joy. And may they feel the way I felt when you loved me when I was off and when I was right. This is what makes us tight. And we have to have the aroma here that we're tight. And it's not a facade. It's not a mask. It's got to be authentic because that's what the Father, that's what the Father does and is through Jesus for us. What's the first phase? Second phase? Fight through phase. Fight through phase. The fight through phase has this attached to it. It understands that mistakes sometimes are just mindlessness and not malice. Mm. That means that they just had a brain cramp, you know? Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe something happened. Maybe they forgot. Maybe they were distracted. Maybe they, maybe they don't have deep malice in their heart. See, that's what we have to get to. Like I always bring up the woman who was caught in the act of adultery and they threw her down right here because they caught her. And the church was ready to stone her. Or the woman at the well who had seven husbands. And she had to come and sneak to get water because of the response that people would have to her, towards her shame, hopeless. And so she sneaks. She sneaks out thinking that she'll be there by herself. And <laughs> she didn't realize that she was going to encounter Jesus. And Jesus knew everything about her. In fact, that was her statement when she went back to tell the whole city, come see a man who told me everything about me. He didn't just read her card. He loved her after reading her card. That's important. And we have to be able to see past. Not just where society is concerned and, and, and people who don't know God are concerned, but with us. We have to look past some things. We have to press in and let our, let our love be authentic. Authentic. Let our unity be authentic. And this is maturity. If you get a chance, read, write this down, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And you read verses 1 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 7. Paul starts off saying, hey guys, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual. I had to talk to you as babies. I had to talk to you like a spiritual baby. Much like this, this beautiful girl has a little guy. He's, he's a little guy. How old, how old is little Jeff? Ten, ten months. Ten months. He said, I had, to talk to, I had to talk to this group. That's what he said. I had to talk to him like babies, spiritual babies. Almost like you were someone who had never accepted Jesus. He said, I had to talk to you like this. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Get a chance to read that. And then he described why they were considered spiritual babies. He says, because you have envy and jealousy. You're comparing, well, I'm of Paul. Well, I like the way Apollos teaches. Well, I like Cephas. He says, aren't you babies? And functioning like those who have never been in a relationship with God. He says, who is Paul? 
All he did was plant, and all Apollos did was water, but it was God who gave the increase. He's the one that we honor. Let's not get into comparisons. Let's not get into criticisms. Let's not get into critiquing. Let's not get into shame. Let's live in honor. Let's live in grace. Let's live in forgiveness. But you got to practice. First phase. Second phase. Fight through phase. Third phase, second nature. It's the second nature phase. That's the last phase. When it comes to oneness, when it comes to love, when it comes to unity, we need to get to the place where it's second nature. Second nature. I could ask Stephen to jump on the piano and, and to play some background music and just second nature. In fact, Steve, why don't you run up on the piano? Just second nature, just natural. Why? Because he's practiced. He's practiced over and over and over and over again. And we're going to need to practice love over and over and over. Forgiveness over and over and over. Unity over and over and over. Phase two, the press through phase, the fight through phase. We got to practice that over and over and over. We got to practice it now. Why? Because at the pleasure of our king, he wants us to have his aroma. This aroma. This aroma. Listen to that. He's practiced that. When he first started playing, I guarantee he was like, eh, eh. <laughs> but he's practiced. Now imagine love coming out of your life. That sounds like that. Unity in our house, that sounds like that. Unity that the world sees, it says, man, God's in that. God's in that. I want to read uh, one last passage to you, and then we'll, we'll have a sweet short, sweet time of communion. Hey, can you guys find Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 14? Hebrews chapter 5. And you guys can write this down, verse 12 to 14. And I want you to read it out of the Amplified Classic, AMPC. Hebrews chapter 5. And this is a beautiful picture of what it looks like to grow up. You know, 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when it talks about that love, y'all know that love passage I, I quoted a little bit earlier. He says, when I, was, when I was a child, I thought it was a child. Now remember, the whole passage is talking about love. But he throws in there, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I behaved like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, help me to grow up in love. Lord, help me to grow up in love. He says, when I became a man, I put away the childish things. <laughs> and that's what we have to do. Get past the honeymoon phase. Get past the, the fight through phase. Let's get to the second nature phase. So let's look at that. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. In the Amplified Classic. Look what he says. It says, since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slothful, in achieving spiritual insight, Look at verse 12. For even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you actually need someone to teach you over again the very first principles of God's word. You have become, you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who continues, remember that phrase I gave you out of St. John chapter 8. If you continue in my word, that's what Jesus said, you'll be disciplined. Look at, look at what it says. He says, you've come to need milk, not solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who continues to feed on milk 
is obviously inexperienced, unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will and purpose, thought and action. That's a nice statement. Conform. Conform to God's will. It says, for he is a mere infant. Here's that little, that little boy, that little baby we were talking about earlier. Not able to talk yet. Now look at verse 14. Solid food is for full-grown men. Remember, when I was a child, I thought as a child. Talking about love. Now that I've become a man. For those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary, either to divine or human law. What's the third phase? Second nature. What is second nature defined as? It is a characteristic or a habit in someone that appears to be instinctive because that person has behaved in a particular way so often. It's instinctive. It's second nature to forgive. I, when I first started sharing here at High Street, that's one of the things that I said, be quick to repent, be quick to forgive, quick to love. What is second nature. You know what so-and-so said? Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me because I don't want to get that in my head about them. That's instinctive. Guess what so-and-so did? Mm -mm. I really don't want to know. And if you end up hearing it, Father, bless them. Just like Jesus, instinctive. Father, don't lay it to their charge. It wasn't just Jesus. They stoned Stephen, and in Stephen now calling down judgment on them, Stephen says, dying, swollen head, busted lip, ribs broken from the boulders that they threw at him. Jesus, Peter, uh, Stephen's response was, lay it not to their charge. Instinctive, quick, quick. Man, oh man, we got to get quick. Quick. And not just here at High Street, in our family. Quick. Somebody says something in the family. Somebody does something in the family. Someone does something offensive. 1 Corinthians 13, talking about love, it says, it is not, it, it's not easily offended. It doesn't rack up the accounts. It doesn't do it doesn't take into account suffered wrong. So I just want to, I want to push you. We're teaching right now. And I just bless you with this. Take this to your family. Take this to your marriage. Take this to your parenting. Take this to the way you view your parents. Take this to your friendships. But we got to have it in here. This is the scent of the house. It's got to be instinctive. Bow your heads. Father, help us in this way to look like you. Oh, Father God, to look like you. And we call on that forgiveness this morning, Lord, asking you for those ways and those actions, those things we've gotten disciplined in, either here at High Street or in our families, or for some even on our jobs and in our neighbors. Our neighbor's presence, Lord, we, we haven't forgiven so quick. Help us, we pray, to call on what you've done for us when you washed our sins away. When Jesus, you hanging on the cross, you took our blame, you took our shame. Help us to love the way God the Father loves May we love. In an effort to describe what it looks like between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, fill us that we might get into that fight through phase. Get in there and 
work hard to believe the best. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. Help us. Help us to, to believe that you love us individually. That you've washed our sin away. Help us where we're not beating ourselves up and shaming ourselves and living in hopelessness. But to accept your forgiveness, full and free. You are so good, you've been so good. And Lord, whether there's someone watching or here that has not accepted you as Savior and Lord, ask you, wash them. Wash them, forgive them, draw them to you even now. If you're here and you, you want Jesus, just say, Jesus, come into my heart, change it forever. I need you. I want this love. I want that stubborn love. Don't let go of me. Don't stop pursuing me. I need you in my life, Jesus. And I say yes. Thank you for these moments, Lord, of training and teaching and invitation into a love that is supernatural. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, grab your communion cup as we close our time.